Namaste, Saraswata Deva Gauravani Prachadane Nervasesha Shanyavadi Pashatare Shatarane Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shiva Sri Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Reading from Srimad Bhavan Canto 10 Chapter 41 Verse 1 Sri Sukha Uvacha Stuvatastasya Bhagavan Darsha Yitva Jalevapu Buya Samaharat Krishna Nato Natyam Iva Manaha
Shri Sukha Uvacha. Sukadeva Goswami said, Stuvata, while praying, Tasya, he, Bhagavan, Supreme Lord, Darshayatva, having shown Jale in the water of Apu, his personal form, Bhuyaha, again, Smaharat, withdrew, Krishna, Sri Krishna, Nataha, an actor, Natyam, performance, Eva, as, Atmanaha, his own. Translation, Sukhita Goswami said, while Akura was still offering prayers, the Supreme Lord Krishna withdrew his form that he had revealed in the water, just as an actor winds up his performance. Purport, Lord Krishna withdrew from Akura's sight the Vishnu form along with the vision of the spiritual sky and its eternal inhabitants. When Akura saw the vision disappear, he came out of the water and quickly finished his very his various ritual duties, he then returned to the chariot. Astonished, Lord Krishna asked Akura, have you seen something wonderful on earth, in the sky or in the water? From your appearance, we think you have. Sri Akura said, whatever wonderful things the earth, sky or water contain, all exist in you, since you encompass everything. When I am seeing you, what have I not seen? And now that I am seeing you, O Supreme Absolute Truth, in whom reside all amazing things on the earth, in the sky, and in the water. What amazing things could I see in this world? Purport Akura has now realized that Krishna is not merely his nephew. With these words, Akura, the son of Gandhini, began driving the chariot onward. At the end of the day, he arrived in Mathura with Lord Balaram and Lord Krishna. Wherever they passed on the road, O king, the village people came forward and looked upon the two sons of Vasudeva with great pleasure. In fact, the villagers could not withdraw their eyes from them. Nanda Maharaj and the other residents of Vrindavan, having reached Mathura ahead of the chariot, had stopped at a garden on the outskirts of the city to wait for Krishna and Balaram. Report Nanda and others reached Mathura first because the chariot carrying Krishna and Balaram was delayed by Akura's bathing. After joining Nanda and the others, the Supreme Lord Krishna, the controller of the universe, took humble Akura's hand in his own and smiling spoke as follows. Lord Krishna said, take the chariot and enter the city ahead of us, then go home. After resting here a while, we will go to see the city. Akura said, O Master, without the two of you, I shall not enter Mathura. I am your devotee, O Lord, so it is not fair for you to abandon me, since you are always affectionate to your devotees. Come, let us go to my house with your elder brother, the coward man, and your companions. O best of friends, O transcendental Lord, in this way, please grace my house with its master. I am simply an ordinary householder attached to ritual sacrifices, so please purify my home with the dust of your lotus feet. By that act of purification, my forefathers, the sacrificial fires, and the demigods will all become satisfied. By bathing your feet, the exalted Bali Maharaj attained not only glorious fame and unequaled power, but also the final destination of pure devotees. 
The water of the Ganges has purified the three worlds, having become transcendental by bathing your feet. Lord Shiva accepted that water on his head, and by that water's grace, the sons of King Sagara attained to heaven. O Lord of Lords, Master of the Universe, O you whose glories uh, it is most pious to hear and chant, O best of the Arus, O you whose fame is recounted in excellent poetry, O Supreme Lord Narayan, I offer my obeisances. I offer you my obeisances. The Supreme Lord said, I will come to your house with my elder brother, but first I must satisfy my friends and well-wishers by killing the enemy of the Yadu clan. Purport, Akura glorified Krishna in verse 16 as Yaduttama, the best of the Yadus. Sri Krishna here confirms this by saying, in effect, since I am the best of the Yadus, I must kill the enemy of the Yadus, Kamsa, and then I will come to your house. So, uh, this uh, chapter describes the uh, entrance of Krishna and Balaram into Mathura, which is, uh, we can say, a little bit different from uh, the whole previous 11 years of Krishna's life and the descriptions in the Bhagavatam up to this point concerning Krishna's pastimes. Uh, uh, the difference, of course, is that though it's very close, it's not so far away, Mathura is not a great distance away uh, from Vrindavan still. Uh, it is a very different place. So often in the Bhagavatam and other scriptures, uh, Mathura and Dwarka are called Pura, or cities. And uh, Vrindavan is called Grama, village, or Vana, forest. Uh, so uh, the setting is very different. Uh, the city is full of people and uh, doing various uh, occupations, etc. Uh, and uh, there, of course, is a king involved. Kshatriyas are everywhere. Uh, and uh, many beautiful women are there. And in the uh, village and in the forest, it is simply cowherd people and some aborigine women, the Polindas. Uh, men and women are there also. And animals. So in the, uh, up until what, uh, this chapter, we've had a description of Vrindavan. Uh, with forest, trees, river, animals, cows, etc., and the simple people. Yeah. So, a Mathura, though not very far away, is quite different. Uh, of course, now it's different because Kamsa is there, but actually it was the city of Ugrasena, of the Yadus. And uh, being a city, it was full of all sorts of people. Uh, and many Kshatriyas were there. The whole Yadu dynasty was housed there, and uh, they, from there they ruled uh, other places. Uh, so uh, very, very active with many types of people, and etc. Uh, and uh, we can say the culture was different, not so simple as that of the village. Uh, so there is a, a great change uh, which will take place when uh, Krishna comes to this place. And of course he is not, um, you can say, um, uncomfortable in doing so, uh, since he's the Supreme Lord. He is aware of all situations and adapts to all situations uh, instantly. Uh, still, uh, the, the change from one place to the other is uh, 
quite drastic. Huh? So, uh, in this first part of this chapter, we will see how uh, Krishna gradually uh, looks at this place and gets his first impressions of the place. Uh, because there's a continuity of Krishna and Balaram from Vrindavan to here. Right? So, uh, they come to Mathura and then uh, they must adapt to that particular place, uh, Mathura. So, uh, as we see here, uh, Krishna and Balaram uh, arrive at the edge of the city, so they don't go directly into the city. Nanda Maharaj is camped outside the city. So, Krishna stays there. And he tells Akura to go to his house in the city, and he will come to him later after he has killed uh, Kamsa. So from this point then, uh, Krishna, uh, of course, enters the city and he looks around in the evening time. Uh, he sees various things. He's impressed with the various buildings and the people, etc. And he performs several pastimes. Uh, and uh, then, of course, after that, uh, next day, uh, then uh, he prepares for the killing of uh, Kamsa in the arena after killing the elephants. Uh, so, very quickly, the uh, killing of Kamsa takes place. There's no, no delay, really. Uh, as soon as Krishna arrives, then next day all the preparations are made for this whole uh, type of affair. So, very, very quickly, everything happens. And Kamsa is killed, and then after his uh, death ceremony, etc., Ugrasena is again installed on the throne. and. Uh, then uh, Krishna tells uh, the inhabitants of Raja, headed by Nanda, to return, and he will come back a little bit later. Uh, and that more or less ends the. And then, of course, there's a one uh, section dealing with uh, Krishna's uh, sojourn in the Gurukul of Sandipani Muni. Uh, and then after that, we get uh, Krishna going to Dwarka after Jarasandha attacks the city many times. And then the rest of the Bhagavatam is about the life in Dwarka. So there's a brief uh, description of life in Mathura, not so much. And we'll get a more elaborate description of life in Dwarka later on. Uh, Krishna, of course, stayed there many, many years. Whereas he did not stay so many years in, uh, or such a long time in Mathura. Uh, in fact, quite uh, not, not much at all. Maybe a year or so or whatever like that. Uh, and then he left and went to Dwarka. So, there's a little bit of a description of Mathura, but the two are more or less very similar because the Yadus are in both places. So the mood is the same, that is seeing Krishna as Supreme Lord at the same time. He has his particular form that does not age beyond that of a cowherd. Uh, but now he dresses up like a, a royal member of the Yadus, that's all. Huh? Uh, so very, very similar in that respect. Huh? There's a slight difference, of course, because, uh, as I said, he goes to Dwarka and he resides there for a long time. And there uh, he, uh, he marries 16,000 queens, so uh, more or less he rules that city, though technically Ugrasena is still the king of the Yadus. Uh, uh, everyone is serving Krishna at that time. Hmm? Whereas in Mathura, uh, uh, Krishna is there and then he gets his education, he goes off to the Gurukul uh, and then he fights a few demons and then he goes off. So 
uh, not uh, in such a fixed position in Mathura, but in Dwarka, very fixed as the uh, leader of everyone and uh, worshipped by all. So, therefore, the uh, the power manifested and the respect given to Krishna is much more in Dwarka and uh, less in Mathura. So in one sense we'd think, well, yeah, because the uh, descriptions of pastimes in Dwarka, a lot of descriptions are there, that that form is superior to the form in Mathura. But yet we see in nectar devotion the opposite. Uh, the form in Dwarka is called Purna and the form in Mathura is called Purnatara, more perfect, better, it's better. Even though the greatness is manifested more in uh, Dwarka. And of course it's best in Vrindavan. So the reason for that classification is that the best means that there is no restriction because of a display of greatness in Krishna, in Vrindavan, so therefore it's the best. Mathura, there is some restriction, and in Dwarka, more restriction, because, as I said, Krishna is established in his position there, and he's showing his power and greatness, he kills more demons, etc., he gets more worship from everyone, so uh, his powers are manifested more. There. Consequently, the sweetness decreases slightly. Huh? So therefore, uh, Krishna is Purna and Dwarka with some sweetness, but more power. And in Mathura, uh, less powers, more sweetness. And in Vrindavan, most sweetness and no power, or they don't recognize the power at all. Huh? So uh, that is uh, the classification of these cities. Huh? So there is some leelas that take place here in Mathura, but uh, not so many as compared to Dwarka. Uh, nevertheless, it's classified as somewhat superior in, in terms of the form of Krishna uh, because there's not so much emphasis upon his greatness. Uh, and of course, they educate him, etc., and they're still treating him as somewhat as a child. Uh, uh, so the, in these verses, we see that um, Akura uh, has offered his prayers, and then suddenly uh, that uh, Vishnu and Anantashesha disappear. <laughs> he withdraws that form. The Lord withdraws that form after showing it to Akura. Huh? Uh, so that's Krishna. He's withdrawing that form. So the manifestation of that Vishnu form with Ananta is under the control of Krishna, not the opposite. That Vishnu manifests. Krishna says, Krishna is manifesting this form. And then, uh, at will, he withdraws that, and then uh, Akura uh, stops his prayers and then returns to the chariot, and then he sees Krishna there. So this particular verse has a analogy here, like an actor in a play. Uh, so an actor acts in a play, and after the play is over, he takes off the costume, and we know he's not that person anymore. But we cannot say that about Krishna and manifestation of Vishnu, because they're all eternal. So they don't, it's not a false in any way, whereas the actor actually is making a false appearance. 
Yeah? So the analogy is not exact. So we should not think that this means that therefore the display of Vishnu and uh, Ananta was a false display, like an actor putting on clothes and then taking them off and then he says, ah, this is not real. Huh? So we should not think that this uh, display was unreal. The analogy is given, it is like the actor in the drama, uh, simply for the point of showing how uh, it was a temporary manifestation. The Lord showed it and then he withdrew it at will. Huh? So under the control of the Lord he can manifest this form and he can make it disappear. Just as the actor, when he wants to, can stop the performance and say, ah, oh, this isn't true, and he take off his costume and say, no, I'm not this actor, and I'm not this person, I'm so-and-so. So in that sense, this was a temporary manifestation under the control of Supreme Lord. On the other hand, there's great difference because, of course, actors are material, dramas are material, whatever. But the vision of Ananta and Vishnu is not illusory, it's not false, it's not temporary, it's actually eternal. So it disappears but Vishnu and Ananta are not false. So that's the big difference there. So the analogy is used only to show the temporary nature and how it's under the control of the Supreme Lord as the actor manifests a character and then makes it disappear at his own will. In that sense, the comparison is there. So, and this is of course the same type of analogy is given in other places in the Bhagavatam as well. So it doesn't mean it's false. It's simply uh, under the control of the Lord and manifested or just some making dis made to disappear at the will of Supreme Lord. So Krishna makes this form appear and disappear. And uh, Akura saw this form and after it disappeared he did not think, oh that was false, it was an illusion. No, he also accepts this, he actually was the Supreme Lord. But he also knows that it was Krishna who was not different from him and he was in control of this form. So uh, he has uh, respect for him and therefore the whole series of verses uh, right there where Krishna asked Balara uh, Akura, uh, did you see any wonderful, uh, some wonderful in the earth, sky or air? You look very different because you come out of the water and you're all full of joy, etc. And then Akura says, no, actually, uh, yes, I did see something, but actually now I know that everything's in you that you are this form also. And what did uh, Akura saw? Uh, he, he saw the form of Vishnu with all the different devatas praising him, etc. And he's in control of everything. He's in control of the material world and everything in the material world. Huh? Uh, so in other words, then he sees Krishna and says, ah, Krishna is this form who's in control of everything. Huh? Everything is within uh, uh, Krishna, just like uh, everything's in the universal form. Huh? So he has a proper understanding. It's not that this was an illusory form or anything. It was a true form of Vishnu and Ananta. And he also realizes that uh, it is under the control of Krishna. So Krishna also is the controller of everything, etc. Uh, and this realization increases his respect for Krishna. Well, this is quite unlike the uh, attitude of the people of Vrindavan. If they see this, they will reject it. 
and they say, oh, Krishna, everything is in you, they will not say that at all. Huh? But Akura is uh, natural for him to say this. Similarly, when Arjuna saw the universal form, then again, a similar type of thing. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that you were the Supreme Lord, etc. Now I understand that you are supreme and everything is in you uh, and you're worthy of all respect. Uh, so that shows the natures of these people, Akura, the Yadus, and the Pandavas, is different from the people of Vrindavan. Even if they see the same thing, their response is quite different. So the, uh, by their nature, Akura and the Yadus and the Pandavas uh, associate Krishna with, uh, uh, they accept him as Supreme Lord and they accept his greatness. Uh, at the same time, of course, they realize his, his special nature as Krishna, their relative. Uh, whereas the people of Vrindavan, uh, even if they see the greatness in the Krishna, uh, they're not attracted to that at all. They're not impressed with that. And they think, oh, that's not part of Krishna, that's something else. Maybe it's illusion, maybe it's some trick or whatever like that. And they find some excuse to dismiss it. Uh, because it interferes with the intensity of their love. They will diminish their love, so they discard it completely. Their love for Krishna is more important than all of this. Huh? But we'll see that the, the love of Akura or Pandavas or Yadus is intrinsically involved with this idea of the greatness of the Supreme Lord. So they don't reject it. Huh? it is, it's essential to their realization. So in other words, by nature, they are different types of devotees. Mm. So, why are they different? Individuals. Individuals have, individuals have different preferences. Individuals mean different. They have their own preferences. So some prefer this type of realization, some prefer the realization in Vrindavan. Yeah. So, uh, Bhagavatam prevent, uh, presents both for us. Uh, Krishna without the greatness and Krishna with the greatness. Uh, and uh, different uh, devotees will choose which one they prefer. And then they will uh, mold their sadhana according to that particular goal. And then they achieve that goal. So according to the sadhana, you achieve the result. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why we have various uh, forms of Krishna described here. The Vrindavan Krishna, the Vatura Krishna, and the Dwarka Krishna, as well as other forms like Narasimha, Rama, Matsukurma, etc. Because different jivas will have attraction uh, to different forms. Uh, so, of course, Bhagavad's purpose is to try to attract everybody to Krishna. Uh, and, of course, the uh, recommendation of Narada is everybody in Kali Yuga should worship Krishna, not the other forms. Uh, still, others may be attracted to Vishnu, Narayan, etc., Rama, etc. So, uh, if that is so, then no problem, but uh, emphasis is upon Krishna. Hmm? We see many times that when Krishna is killing the demons, especially Nanda Maharaj or Yashoda, they are praying to Lord Vishnu, who oh, Lord Vishnu is my favoring. My question is, since they don't know Krishna as God, and they are worshipping Vishnu, so they will be attracted to Vaikuntha form, because for them Krishna is real, like, they love, love him like he is not God. But they always seek protection from Vishnu. 
So Gita Krishna says Yanti Deva. Well, we'll find that in, in Vrindavan actually they take shelter of Krishna. Like in, in the uh, Govardhan pastime when the rain started, they all ran to Krishna and said, What to do? Uh, please help us. Like this. Uh, they didn't uh, even God. though he's a young boy, they know he's not God or whatever like that. Uh, they have this natural attraction for him and somehow he's the shelter of everything because their bliss arises through their relationship with him. Uh, uh, so even though they don't expect him to act like God, uh, still uh, they expect there's going to be some sort of uh, um, reciprocation on his part. Uh, uh, all the people of Vrindavan take Krishna as their protector, even though he's a young boy. Uh, uh, because he is the one that gives them bliss. And they've seen he killed various demons, etc., like Kaliya, etc. So uh, they do have that faith in Krishna. Huh? And when he does kill the demons, they said he's done so because he's got the assistance of Vishnu. And Vishnu is actually doing it for him or whatever like that. Hmm? We see that, you know, the purpose of whole Bhagavatam to bring, uh, to bring one or to make one uh, devotee of Lord Krishna. But we see even there are also other avatars also are mentioned in the Bhagavatam. Okay, like you see, if we say the holy name is the only way for the Kaliga people, that's why we see the Harin Nama Vekevalam. So in, uh, instead of mentioning different avatars, there should be one that Krishna, Krishna Vekevalam. That could be men mentioned, but mm -hmm. different incarnations given and, and only ten can to is dedicated to Krishna, not other incarnation. Well, the, the, of course, everyone should worship the Lord, but that cannot be forced. But we can get, the Bhagavan gives that advice. And in general, because Krishna is most attractive, uh, people will be attracted to Krishna more than the other forms. But there may be other persons attracted to other forms. As we see in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes, uh, Murari Gupta was attracted to Rama, Anup, uh, Anupama. Uh, he was attracted to uh, Rama also. And there was no interference on in the part of Lord Chaitanya to tell them to, yeah, to tell them to worship uh, uh, Krishna. Uh, so they they were allowed to do so. But in general, the emphasis is upon Krishna for all the ignorant people. So the more exposure they get to that, the more they become attracted. But not everybody. There's exceptions also. Other people may have attraction for other forms. But it's a general principle. Purpose hmm. Bhagavatam that you know. Only Vishnu Dattva. Vishnu Dattva, we can say. Hmm? We can take the Vishnu Dattva, means Vishnu or Krishna or, you know, not only, not other any demigods. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And of course, Bhagavatam is emphasizing Krishna uh, as the most attractive form because he just appeared. And if they do worship Krishna, they get a higher result, more bliss. Hmm? The other reason why it's there is because uh, Bhagavatam is a Purana, and the Puranas have all these. The different uh, subject matters in it. So then it includes discussion of the different forms of the Lord, etc. as one okay. of its topics. Huh? And one of the questions of the sages is you discuss the different avatars of the Lord. Huh? So therefore the, that, that, that is given by Sukadev, the different forms. Did they have temples in Vrindavan that Vajivashis go to temple and worship? Because Dwapari has meant that temple worship is a form to achieve the highest form, absolute truth. Do they have temples? Do those days. 
during the 5000 years when Krishna was there. Well, you'll see temples, yeah, and you'll see in, uh, of course, not just for Krishna and Vishnu, but you'll see temples for the Devatas, etc. Rukmini went to the Durga temple, etc. Uh, the people of Vrindavan went to a Shiva temple in Ambika. Uh, they went once to uh, Gujarat, I think it was, after that temple, Ambika temple, uh, and then they came back. Uh, and within Vrindavan itself, it describes like in Gopal Champu that there's uh, Nanda Maharaj has a temple within his courtyard of Vishnu. Huh? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there are many, many temples there within the, in the place. And of course, you'll see in the Leelas, we describe that Radharani goes to one, one place where there's a Surya temple, etc., like this. So there's various temples there. <laughs> Raja said that um, only Krishna can manifest the Narayana form. So I want to understand this part in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita where Gopakumara sees uh, Narayana with Lakshmi and Dhara, but he gets the vision of Krishna with Radha and Chandravali. Hmm? Uh, when Gopakumara is in Vaikuntha, it is explained that when he saw Narayana with Dhara and Lakshmi, he felt uh, he had the vision of Krishna with Radha and Chandravali. So how is it that when he saw Narayana, he saw Krishna? Oh, well, it's described there that um, uh, Narayana would uh, manifest some pastimes like Krishna and cowherd boy form, etc. And then uh, Gopakumar would play his flute in front of everyone like this, like that. And then sometimes uh, he would see him manifest a particular form like that in a special place. And that would give delight to Gopakumar. Uh, so, uh, in one sense, yes, uh, the Vishnu form can manifest a Krishna form, but it's not exactly the same, and therefore, Gopukumar was not really satisfied with that form. <laughs> it was a manifestation from Vishnu that looked like Krishna, we could say, <laughs> like that. Uh, similarly, it's described in the Briyad Bhagavatam that even the uh, associates of Vishnu can manifest various forms, and that the uh, it says that the Kumaras, who are Shaktivesh avatars, manifested avatar forms also. So they can they have an appearance like that because they have great powers, but it's actually not the same, won't have the same power as Varaha or Nirshima, but they can manifest those particular appearances like that. Uh, so they, they can do that, but uh, it's not filled with the same qualities, obviously. And um, in the Gopika Gitam, there are references where like the gopis say that you are not the you are not just the son of yashoda you are antaratma drik mm -hmm. so that is a conception of seeing krishna as god so mm -hmm. how is it that they are uttering those words what do they mean well uh, uh it can be taken out of uh, in in the intensity of their love they can ascribe certain aspects of powers that look like powers of god but actually they, it's more for uh, let's say, uh, invoking their own love. So if we take Antaratma or he's like the Paramatma or whatever, then uh, simply that Krishna knows their very heart in the sense of he knows their love for him or whatever like that. So they, they take it in another way, even though it, we can take it as, you know, uh, an aspect of God. They don't take it like that. They, just that they can attribute certain powers of knowing to Krishna uh, because uh, they want him to acknowledge their love. Different planets or uh, the, mm -hmm. different, the same sets of the jivas, which participate in the Leela of Krishna, 
Do the same souls go to the different planets or the new sets of... Uh, uh, for the same Christian past, 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 past times. But, you know, many do. Some may be different. But, of course, we have the eternal associates of the Lord, like, uh, and, uh, you know, the Yadus and the uh, Rajabasis and Nanda, etc. So they will go, obviously. Uh, and actually, they're simultaneously in many universes. Huh? Simultaneously, they'll be. Now, even now, we say that he'll be performing his pastime in some universe. Yeah. So even Yashoda Nanda also will be simultaneous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, some uh, new devotees also may go, and then some who are coming out of the material world can join those pastimes also and enter into those pastimes. Like uh, the, the sages of Dandakaranya who came into the pastimes and. Uh, uh, yeah, and the Upanishads came in also, yeah. No. This Akru Rasa under the water, this uh, form, and whatever Akru was, was, uh, saw that form, which was standing uh, or sitting on the, uh, on the chariot, uh, was there any difference? Because, see, uh, there, uh, that, the form of the Lord was taking worship. Worship means that because Krishna is here like 12 years, and their Lord is like a Lord, Supreme Lord, is not like a 12 years. Correct. So there is a difference, I think, that form. Difference. Whatever Krishna, the Okrusa, was standing, uh, uh, you know, on the bank, yeah. and what was uh, Krishna, he was showing, he was seeing under the water. Mm -hmm. It was very so different. There is so much difference. Very different. Yeah, because of Vishnu form with four arms and a snake. Yeah. Uh, and whereas Krishna Balaram, no snake, <laughs> no four arms, uh, cowherd boys. How can he recognize that he's the same person? Because his form is not the well, same. But he knew already. He will see when he was coming to Vrindavan, he was praising Krishna as Supreme Lord, etc., like this. He already knew that. Now, of course, he had learned from Vasudeva, etc., as well. Then what is the purpose of showing this form under the water? Well, uh, because uh, uh, this gave great appreciation to uh, Akura, because he had this mixed type of uh, perception of Krishna. He is Krishna, his relative, but he is also Supreme Lord. So he got appreciation for him by this, a great relish from it also, because he came out and he was different, so to speak. You know? So he was thrilled by that uh, form. So he, he appreciates that form, that Krishna is actually all of these other forms. See, here, Okuru was, uh, no, he was with Krishna. When he went down, he saw that the Vishnu and Anandashesh was worshipping. But, you know, some ordinary person might question that, you know, see, the Vishnu is the source for the Krishna here. Because when Okuru saw this form, that Vishnu form, immediately he understood, oh, he said, no, there is no difference. There is no difference, this form, which he has seen. No, the but then what does he say here? He says when he gets back on the chariot, and then uh, uh, Krishna yes, asks him the question, then he says, you actually are. Yeah. Everything's in you. <laughs> so he realizes Krishna is that form also, but he's also a Krishna, and Krishna is that form. So he doesn't think of him any way inferior. Yes, 
Sauranda Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Abhyavarshan Salmana Sai Pramada Balakeshavau
prasada of the mansions, shikara, to the roofs, aruda, having climbed, priti, with affection, putfula, blooming, mukha, their faces, humble jaw, which were like lotuses, abhyavarshan, they showered, salmanasyai, with flowers, pramada, attractive women, bala keshaval, balaram and krishna. Their lotus faces blooming with affection, the ladies who had climbed to the roofs of the mansions rained down showers of flowers upon Lord Balaram and Lord Krishna. Brahmanas standing along the way honored the two lords with presentations of yogurt, unbroken barley corns, pots of full water, garlands, fragrant substances such as sandalwood paste and other items of worship. The women of Mathura explained, Oh, what severe austerities the gopis must have performed to be able to regularly see Krishna and Balaram, who are the greatest source of pleasure for all mankind. Seeing a washerman approaching who had been dyeing some clothes, Krishna asked him for the finest laundered garments he had. Lord Krishna said, Please give suitable garments to the two of us who, are, who certainly deserve them. If you grant this charity, you will undoubtedly receive the greatest benefit. Thus requested by the Supreme Lord, who is perfectly complete in all respects. The arrogant servant of the king became angry and replied insultingly. The washerman said, you impotent boys, you are accustomed to roaming the mountains and forests, and yet you would dare put on such clothes as these. These are the king's possessions you're asking for. Fools, get out of here quickly. Don't beg like this if you want to stay alive. When someone is too bold, the king's men arrest him and kill him and take all his property. As the washerman thus spoke brazenly, the son of Devaki became angry and then merely with his fingertips he separated the man's head from his body. The washerman's assistants all dropped their bundles of clothes and fled down the road, scattering in all directions. Lord Krishna then took the clothes. Krishna and Balaram put on the uh, pairs of garments that especially pleased them, and then Krishna distributed the remaining clothes among the cowherd boys, leaving some scattered on the ground. Thereupon, a weaver came forward and, feeling affection for the lords, nicely adorned their attire with cloth ornaments of various colors. Purport, Shri Jiva Goswami explains that the weaver adorned the lords with cloth, armlets, and earrings that looked just like jewels. The word anurupata indicates that the colors match nicely. Krishna and Balaram look resplendent each in his own unique way, wonderfully ornamented outfit. Uh, they resembled a pair of young elephants, one white and the other black, decorated for a festive occasion. Pleased with the weaver, the Supreme Lord Krishna blessed him that after death he would achieve the liberation of attaining a form like the Lord's and that while in this world he would enjoy supreme opulence, physical strength, influence, memory, and sensory vigor. The two lords then went to the house of the garland maker, Sudama. When Sudama saw them, he at once stood up and then bowed down, placing his head on the ground. After offering them 
seats and bathing their feet, Sudama worshipped them and their companions with argya, garlands, pan, sandalwood paste and other presentations. Sudama said, O oh Lord, my birth is now sanctified and my family tree of my family tree of contamination. Now that you both have come here, my forefathers, the demigods and the great sages are certainly all satisfied with me. You two lords are the ultimate cause of this entire universe. To bestow sustenance and prosperity upon this realm, you have descended with your plenary expansions. Because you are the well-wishing friends and supreme soul of the whole universe, you regard all with unbiased vision. Therefore, although you reciprocate your devotees' loving worship, you always remain equally disposed toward all living beings. Uh, please order me, your servants, do whatever you wish. To be engaged by you in some service is certainly a great blessing for anyone. Sukade Goswami continued, O oh, best of kings, having spoken these words, Sudama would understand what Krishna and Balaram wanted. Thus with great pleasure he presented them with garlands of fresh fragrant flowers. Beautifully adorned with these garlands, Krishna and Balaram were delighted and so were their companions. The two lords then offered the surrendered Sudama who was bombing down before them whatever benedictions he desired. Sudama chose unshakable devotion for Krishna, the supreme soul of all existence, friendship with his devotees, and transcendental compassion for all living beings. Not only did Lord Krishna grant Sudama these benedictions, but he also awarded him strength, long life, fame, beauty, and ever-increasing prosperity for his family. And then Krishna and his elder brother took their leave. Purpur, we can see a clear difference between Lord Krishna's dealing with the nasty washerman and his dealings with the devotee florist Sudama. The Lord is as hard as a thunderbolt for those who defy him and as soft as a rose for those who surrender to him. Therefore, we should all sincerely surrender to Lord Krishna since that is clearly in our self-interest. Now say on the purpose of the humble servants of his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, 10th Canto, 41st chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Krishna and Balaram enter Mathura. So we have many descriptions here of the uh, response of the people of Mathura to uh, Krishna arriving and seeing him. So uh, after Krishna and Balaram arrived, uh, they were curious to see the uh, city of Mathura because they had been living in the village and forest so they went out to uh, view various things and then we have a whole description of how uh, people responded when they saw them and it is obvious that, that they already knew Krishna and Balaram were the supreme lords huh? and uh, but nevertheless uh, the response is that uh, for instance of the women is that they were attracted by his beauty more than anything else and there's an expression of their love for him in Madhurya Rasa uh, we see that they uh, responded uh, more or less like the uh, gopis they put their clothes on backwards the ornaments on backwards etc whatever like that uh, makeup on one eye etc so this is very similar to the response of the gopis when uh, Krishna played his flute and they went off to the forest uh, 
So, uh, in other words, uh, the, uh, the young women of Mathura were attracted to Krishna in much the same way. But, of course, also the difference is there is that they also see them as Supreme Lord, whereas the gopis don't see Krishna as Supreme Lord. Uh, so, apart from the women, of course, we have uh, Brahmanas welcoming Krishna and uh, other people as well, crowds. And then we have particular instances of uh, the different persons like uh, the tailor and the uh, garland maker who uh, offered Krishna um, garlands and uh, cloth ornaments. And then we have the uh, other example of the washerman who offended Krishna and uh, uh, insulted him. Huh? So uh, when Krishna asked for the clothes, then he refused and he actually threatened Krishna. Huh? Uh, and so uh, then Krishna uh, responded by cutting his head off. <laughs> huh? But uh, for the most part, we see Krishna and Balaram responded to the uh, devotion of the different uh, people of Mathura. Now, these were not uh, particularly the, we don't know who they were, but uh, uh, no one outstanding was in this group. Uh, so we have brahmanas and women of Mathura, etc. Uh, but they were all very devotional. And so we see the uh, particular response at the end here of the garden maker. So devoted he was that he didn't even want to ask for anything. So the, the, the response he gave was actually a response in pure devotion. Uh, so, uh, it's a very, very appropriate response for a person who practices pure bhakti. So he says, I don't really want anything, but uh, what he wants is devotion for the Lord. Uh, friendship with his devotees. Uh, and compassion for all of the entities. Uh, so this is the only type of benediction that the devotee actually asks for. He doesn't ask for things for himself, uh, uh, except for devotion to the Lord. May we have service to the Lord, etc. So this is uh, uh, the request that the devotee can make. Huh? Uh, as we see in the uh, nectar of devotion, it is anyabhilashita shunya, devoid of other desires. So the desire to serve the Lord and please the Lord is acceptable desire. Anukulin Krishna Nusilanam. We uh, serve the Lord or cultivate our relationship with the Lord uh, in a very favorable way, uh, in a very positive way with uh, affection. Uh, so that type of desire to wanting to serve the Lord more and more is uh, accepted. Other desires are not accepted. That is desires for ourselves or other people. <laughs> However, then we have an exception one can have similar desires for pleasing devotees as for pleasing the Lord. So that's also acceptable. Huh? If it is not, they're not devotees but pleasing materialists, then that is not good. Huh? Or pleasing family members, etc. But if it's for pleasing the devotees, service to the devotees, then that is also uh, permissible. Hmm? So, therefore, we have a definition of Krishna Anusilanam, Anakuyena Krishna Anusilanam. Hmm? So, of course, it means Krishna, but then uh, our commentators say not only Krishna, of course, all the forms of the Lord, whether it's Ram or Vishnu or Nishimadeva or whatever, uh, it's all bhakti. So it's all permissible, although Krishna is the most perfect form. Still, uh, any form of the Lord is included when we say Krishna no Silanam. Uh -huh. But then he says also it means the devotees. 
for not just the Lord and all those other forms, not Krishna and all those, but all the devotees as well. And later on in the Nectar Devotion, uh, it's explained, uh, Rupa Goswami explains that uh, all these angas of bhakti can be performed for the devotees as well as the Supreme Lord. So we have Vandanam and Sravanam, Kirtanam, etc. So mainly they apply to the Supreme Lord, but they all can also can apply to the devotees of the Lord. And of course we see that in how the great devotees are glorified. So we have uh, uh, Gajendra's glorification or Hanuman's glorification or whatever like that. And so that's a type of Kirtan. It's not the Lord, but it is uh, Kirtan of a great devotee. Uh, so, therefore, uh, the devotees also uh, are a very important element in bhakti. And those who realize that and accept that are actually advanced devotees. Uh, those who are kanishtas do not uh, recognize devotees. They appreciate the Lord in the temple. That's all. Now, those who are the madhyamas, they appreciate the role of the devotees and uh, how the devotees are the medium by which we get bhakti and we uh, increase our bhakti. Yeah? Uh, so therefore, uh, it is advised one should be friendly with the devotees. Huh? Uh, and we avoid the materialists and we preach to the innocent people. Hmm? So, uh, this uh, recognition of friendship with devotees as an important element of bhakti is a sign that he's quite advanced uh, to make such a request. Hmm? And then we see transcendental compassion for all living entities uh, to, to show uh, doya to other jivas. Huh? Of course, we know that the ultimate doya is to also give them knowledge of Krishna. That's the highest knowledge. So other types of knowledge are all secondary, all compassion are all secondary to that. So in other words, uh, he also realizes that uh, the nature of the devotee is uh, to uh, elevate other jivas in their spiritual life. Uh, so uh, this is also another important element in uh, bhakti. So though we see that the definition of bhakti is uh, cultivating a relationship with Krishna, and of course that also includes his devotees, whereas all living entities who are not devotees included there, it's not. Huh? But then we see also that uh, in the qualities of the devotee, uh, mentioned in the, when we talk about uh, uh, subhada, the second quality of bhakti, uh, the bestowing auspiciousness, one of the characteristics is that uh, the devotee is uh, has affection for all living entities, and of course, uh, corresponding to that, the living entities have affection for the devotee. Huh? So this is considered to be the principal quality of the devotee that he is compassionate to the other living entities. Hmm? Uh, but that compassion is expressed differently in, in different cases. So we have avoiding preaching to the demons, friendly with the devotees, preaching to the innocent people. This is the, how the compassion is showed uh, to the uh, various uh, persons. Uh, so therefore that's a, it's a natural quality of the devotee that he has this compassion. Uh, 
apart from that, of course, uh, re, uh, that he wants to engage them in devotional service, he also sees that all the jivas are expansions, amsas. They are all uh, shaktis of the Lord, amsas of the Lord. Uh, so, oh, apart from their material bodies, they have uh, very great similarity to each other. So we should not distinguish one body from the other so much as to see the underlying atma within each individual. And we treat them all nicely. This, of course, is a um, quality of the jnani also, or the sthita pragya, who sees the elephant and the uh, and the dog eater and the dog and the brahmana and whatever all is one he doesn't make any distinctions like that uh, so that's a praiseworthy quality for the jnani but again the, the devotee also doesn't make uh, profound distinctions based on bodies also uh, of course we also see that he does make a, some sort of distinction as a Madhyam Arikari because he doesn't preach to the animals and plants but he preaches to the human beings so we make a distinction there and we preach to those who are favorable and we don't preach to those who are not favorable whatever like that so there is some distinction within that also for the devotees as far as preaching is concerned but as far as uh, the, the general compassion, we realize that all the jivas are ultimately uh, amas. So therefore, uh, they are all the, uh, they say, servants of the Supreme Lord in some way or other, directly or indirectly. Uh, so, uh, therefore, the, the, the devotees uh, uh, do not express the opposite, that is, hatred and uh, violence, etc., towards living entities. Uh, they, they show compassion. Uh, we see within Dharma also, this is one of the principles, the four legs of Dharma, the bull. Uh, one of them is doya, compassion. Uh, that, of course, uh, the, 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 you know, austerity, doya, etc., we can say these are material qualities in sattva, uh, uh, but at the same time, uh, this we can say this is a reflection of the spiritual qualities uh, of the jiva once he's uh, beyond his material designation. Huh? So uh, a person in sattva realizes he is not the body, he is actually the atma, and he's detached from material enjoyment. So therefore, he expresses doya, non-violence, etc. So, uh, these are favorable for devotional development, huh? even though they may be material qualities. So ultimately, of course, though the, uh, the, the devotee uh, realizes all jivas are, atmas, etc., uh, his main compassion is uh, uh, to elevate those who are qualified in devotional service and to do preaching activities. So that's how his main compassion is um, directed. And for that reason we see that sometimes Prabhupada criticizes those people involved in mundane charitable activities. Now of course that's part of Dharma, we see, uh, Doya etc. there is part of Dharma and uh, we see within the uh, Varnashram system that uh, one should do such services as build roads, uh, give education, etc., etc., do all these different types of 
charitable activities for society in general. In this way, the person becomes less selfish, and he's willing to give his money for other uh, creatures and human beings, etc. So it's encouraged within the Varnashram system. But it's, of course, a, a, an aspect of dharma, which gives you punya, which is material. Uh, so, uh, if, if we only concentrate on that, then we become sattvic people, that's all. We don't become transcendental, we become sattvic people. So the, the purpose of the devotee is not to bind himself in the material world with charitable activities, but rather to go beyond the material world. So he can express his compassion for all living entities, not by doing those works, but by doing spiritual activities for other living entities, spiritual compassion. And that way there's no bondage at all. Huh? So the, the activity of preaching is compassionate, but it doesn't have the uh, negative aspect of material bondage in it. So therefore, that's a superior type of activity for the devotee. So, uh, therefore, these, uh, the, we find here that the, uh, uh, the garland maker was a, a, a very advanced devotee because he was expressing pure bhakti huh? and uh, expressing the quality of the devotee, that is, compassion for all living entities, etc. So, uh, he was, uh, his uh, response to the Supreme Lord uh, by offering the garlands was one of pure bhakti. And this was very uh, pleasing to the Supreme Lord. So therefore, uh, Krishna, of course, uh, gave him those benedictions. But beyond that, then he gave him the material benedictions, like strength, long life, fame, beauty, prosperity, money, etc., etc. So without asking, the Lord supplied everything to him. Uh, so that is the nature of the devotee. He does not request things from the Lord, but the Lord gives to the devotee what is required for his uh, well-being in the uh, material world. Uh, he supplies him what is necessary for that devotee uh, without the devotee asking for anything. We see the uh, later example uh, in uh, the other Sudama or Sridama, <laughs> the Brahmana, <laughs> uh, who went to Krishna with the grains of chipped rice in his cloth, and uh, he didn't want to ask Krishna for anything, and <laughs> he also didn't want to give the rice to him because it was such a low type of gift. Uh, so he finally, Krishna took it and ate it, uh, but uh, he was, the Brahmana was completely. Uh, afraid of asking for anything. He didn't want to ask for anything. Yeah? He was simply pleased with meeting Krishna. But then Krishna supplied everything to him. Yeah? He, he gave him the, the, the palace and whatever and his wife became very beautiful and he got all of his uh, necessary things to survive in this material world in a very nice way. Uh, so the Lord supplies to the devotee what is necessary for his sustenance in this world. Uh, this is the Lord's compassion to the devotee. Of course, we also see the Lord may do the opposite and take everything away from a devotee. Huh? So sometimes he does that also. Huh? If he thinks that the uh, wealth and uh, whatever are detriments for the devotee surrendering, then he may take those things away. And we see that in the case of the Avanti Brahmana, huh? who uh, was kicked out of his house by his family members eventually. He lost his wealth and he was kicked out of the house and then he surrendered to the Lord. 
huh? because he had nothing anyway. Huh? So uh, the Lord responds to different devotees in different ways. Uh, and often he does this. He gives them the great uh, material benedictions as well as spiritual benedictions, uh, even though uh, the Sudama didn't want anything material. But the Lord uh, gave it to him as a, as a reward for his uh, pure bhakti. Huh? Other persons who are not doing pure bhakti may also uh, get these things. They ask for them and the Lord may give them to him. So we have the person suffering in the material world who wants to get rid of his suffering. We have the person who is asking for wants wealth. So the Lord gives these things to these devotees even though they're not doing pure bhakti. So in this way, their faith increases. And if they get the association of people practicing pure bhakti, then they can advance beyond this mixed bhakti and they can get to a higher level. So that is the strategy of the Lord. If he sees that a person does have strong devotion, but he also has some danger in material attachment, then he may take everything away from that devotee, as we see in some cases of Avanti Brahmana. And uh, we see the, the Brahmana did not lose his faith, Rather, he completely surrendered to the Lord. So this was a great advantage for him in his advancement. So the Lord will uh, respond differently to different types of people in mixed bhakti and in pure bhakti. And even in pure bhakti, he responds differently uh, according to the situation. Uh, but in any case, the, the person practicing pure bhakti is not concerned uh, with these uh, secondary things that he get, gets. His main uh, concern is the uh, service to the Supreme Lord. So Sudama's main uh, benediction that he asked for here was unshakable devotion for Krishna. Uh, bhakti, to have uh, uh, bhakti which is very, very achala, very, very fixed, uh, unwavering bhakti to the Supreme Lord. That was his uh, basic desire. Uh, uh, so this is what the devotee wants. Everything else the devotee is not really attached to, and, but the Lord may give these things to him. Huh? So uh, in this way, uh, the Lord is the benedictor of everyone, and he, he gives all benedictions. He gives spirit, all spiritual benedictions from the uh, position in the spiritual world with sarupya, uh, saloka, etc. He can give liberation, impersonal liberation, and he can give anything in the material world. Right. So according to the devotees, he may give different things at different times to them, uh, according to their desires and according to how we think that they should advance. So, the 12th country, I think it's mentioned that, you know, that daya is one of the uh, leg of the dharma. Yeah. So in Kali Yuga normally, you know, uh, this daya is reducing, means people understand that must, daya means compassion. But you are saying this, it's mentioning one of the uh, leg of the dharma, but you are saying this is material. Hmm? It's material, dharma, showing compassion is material, yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. yeah. So how dharma can be material? Dharma? Dharma can be material. Saying well, dharma. dharma we see is that when we talk about dharma, we're talking about uh, Varnashram says some rules and regulations for maintaining your body. That's Dharma. And uh, going to Svargaloka, doing punyas to go to Svargaloka, that's part of Dharma. So that's all material. Huh? 
Parodharma is bhakti, so that's non-material. But karma yoga is material. Basically, its goal is elevation in the material world. Huh? Uh, so, of course, we have artha dharma kama, which is basically what happens. You do uh, pious activities to get your artha and your kama. When we go, get to sattva, then we want to detach ourselves from the material world, so we do jnana and astanga yoga, moksha or moksha. These activities in themselves are material also, they're sattvic activities. And therefore, one rejects them when one gets liberation. Because you cannot have any sattva in the state of moksha, which is beyond gunas. So the process of jnana is actually a material process also in sattva. So the only process which is not in the gunas is bhakti. That is nirguna. So, uh, the uh, qualities that are cultivated in dharma are therefore material. They may be sattvic, but still they're material. But it says the devotee develops all good qualities. Sattvagun also good qualities, you can say. This guy also good qualities. But then, if the devotee develops sattva qualities, then he gets bound to the material world. So how is that good for advancement in bhakti? So therefore, good qualities must not just mean sattvic, it must mean transcendental qualities. Krishna has qualities, but they're not sattvic. But he also has this doya quality. Ah, but it's not sattvic. Krishna doesn't have any material qualities. He's beyond the gunas. So his sattva, or his doya, must be something different. Similarly, the doya of the devotee must be something different. So subhada means also development of good qualities. The devotee develops good qualities. But he does not develop material qualities. Otherwise, bhakti would give you material results and bondage to the material world. But bhakti says to give you something else. So therefore, when we talk about developing good qualities, it must mean spiritual qualities, like Krishna's qualities. Yeah? So the devotee develops transcendental qualities, uh, uh, which look kind of similar to material qualities, like sense control, etc., etc., etc. But it's all centered around Krishna. And therefore, it's non-material. So, uh, can we say this showing compassion toward the living entities is also not a material? Showing compassion, man, like you know, doing preaching activities. Preaching. Well, preaching is uh, spiritual. It's a type of kirtan. The person who is preaching, he may not be in the spiritual stage. He's a beginner, maybe. But still, he's uh, giving holy name or something. Well, the activity itself is spiritual. So it spiritualizes the person. So if Bhakti itself is a spiritual activity. So if that is the case, so can you compare this um, daya or masya or compassion? It's like a, a rain. When see, uh, rain comes, it doesn't make any difference where to shower, where not to shower. It showers mm. everywhere. Mm. So can you say mercy also like this? You know, that whoever has this mercy, he should, he's supposed to shower it everywhere without distinguishing uh, which is qualified, which is not qualified. Yeah, well, that, that's the, the general quality of the devotee. Uh, he wants to uh, uh, give everywhere. But then we have also the uh, thing, don't preach to the faithless persons. So then, <laughs> he must make some sort of distinctions. Huh? So the, the unrestricted is we can let everyone hear the holy name. That's the, uh, that's the, the, the rain going everywhere. Uh, but then the other the activity is that uh, uh, we only preach to the 
people with faith. So then there is, it's not everywhere. Some persons are qualified, so we preach to those persons. So that is a more limited type of mercy, we can say. So we have the general one that goes everywhere, and then we have the more particular one. And the doubt is, Manas, you are giving example of like a Sudama, that Sudama, Brahmana Sudama. No, although Sudama came to meet Krishna with some cheap rice, you know, and Krishna gave him kingdom also. So can you say that, that Krishna showing his mercy by giving kingdom is not material, that kingdom, because previously he was a poor man, he was always remembering Krishna, but now after getting kingdom, now his responsibility increase, means he has to look after the kingdom and he might forget. He didn't give him a kingdom, he gave him a big palace. He didn't say he had a whole country to rule or anything like that. Because he was a brahmana, so they obviously cannot rule anything. But he had a big palace, house with servants, etc. That's all. And obviously he got the intelligence to use those properly in the devotional service of the Lord, not to misuse them or whatever. So uh, Krishna supplied what was necessary for him to pass his life in this world. So it is all Krishna's plan, you can see. Mm. Jai. 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 Jai.